but I do know there's a lot of uh, expectations for uh, black women and men to be strong, to not ask for help, you know, to, yeah. th that we can endure more than anything. We can endure more pain. We can endure, you know, all of this is not true, uh, but because of the socialization, intergenerational trauma, and some of the things that we've had to endure yeah. to be, uh, to even <laughs> just show up. Welcome back to the PCOS Holistic Coach Podcast with me, Dr. Ami Patel, pharmacist, fellow sister, and coach. This podcast is an easy-to-listen-to resource for your busy, on-the-go life. You will learn how you can live a healthier and happier life with PCOS from real conversations about managing PCOS and the symptoms with amazing guest speakers. Welcome back to the PCOS Holistic Coach YouTube channel and podcast if you're listening on the podcast now. I'm super excited for the first um, guest speaker on the podcast officially, Dr. Mazella Fuller. Welcome, Dr. Fuller. Thank you. So glad to be here, Dr. Patel. This is an exciting time and, and I'm so happy to be uh, one of your first um, you know, guests. Yes, I'm so excited to have this conversation. So uh, before we get into that, a little bit of an introduction on Dr. Fuller. Dr. Fuller is an approved certified eating disorder specialist, part of the International Association of Eating Disorder Disorders Professionals Foundation, and she co-founded the um, African-American Eating Disorders Professionals. She's also, also the co-author of Treating Black Women with Eating Disorders, and she currently works in college to support mental health and young adult development. So yeah. Dr. Fuller, thank you. Um, I'm so excited you know, that you have all this experience and excited to get into the information that you can share with us for Mental Health Awareness Month this May. Yes, I, you know, it's, it's just exciting that this is, you know, always be able to be a voice for uh, mental health and wellness, as well as, you know, AAPI month. And it's just a whole lot of celebrations going on, graduation, yeah. uh, Mother's Day, lots of opportunity for family and, and, and you know, connections. Um, so yes, this is a, this can, is a potential and also want to bear in mind, you know, people that really may individuals that might just need to hear, um, this, um, information that we are going to share this morning. Definitely. And I think, you know, those individuals that experience like, you know, seasonal affective disorder or seasonal depression, I know this is a very exciting and hopeful time for them, you know, to, experience the good weather and sunshine that, you know, hasn't been around for a few months. So, um, okay, so let's get our conversation started. Why don't you first tell us why did you pursue psychiatric social work as a second career? Yes, right. Because I was in corporate America for the for beginning of my career. And I ended up, you know, changing, shifting careers and becoming a high school teacher in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And uh, was, you know, teaching high school, teaching the individuals, but also working with a lot of families and uh, with, you know, just support, being a supportive person and realized that sometimes it would, uh, it would be mental health issues that I would uh, have to support or be part of the conversation. So that's where it all started. I decided that I would go back 
to school um, and do a post doctorate because I had my doctorate at that time, but do a post degree, postgraduate degree in clinical um, in clinical work. So I went to Smith College in Northampton, Massachusetts and received my MSW in um, clinical social work, which is also psychiatric social work, to be able to be, help even more. To One thing about being a social worker, you are you learn a lot about systems and structures and from the community to the, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a micro, then it's a meso, then it's a big macro systems. So that was my why. And, and I was really good at helping people and, and, in a, you know, interfacing with families and communities. So I thought, wow, this is something I really want to do as I finish up my career. That's awesome. And I'm sure, you know, everyone that, you've worked with and interacted with can, you know, feel grateful that, you know, you've been able to help them. Yes. I think the impact, you know, it's always about impact and intent. Right. And I think when those mm-hmm. line up to help people, um, you can see the the long-term benefits of, of, of that combination of intent and impact. Yes, definitely. So um, based on, you know, I, um, your background and experiences with working with other individuals, are there any simple tips that you can recommend that we practice at home to improve our mental health? Yes, I think, you know, most importantly is um, putting yourself first, whatever, and not in a selfish way, just taking good care of yourself. Because so many of us take care, especially in this profession, we take care of so many people uh, and people who come to see us, a lot of their Uh, presenting concerns. A lot of times it's about community or family or relationships, right? So I think just creating a community and a community can be just one other person or two people that you feel comfortable with and you can be vulnerable with to just take care of yourself, whatever that is, journaling, walk, things that don't have to cost a lot, right? Walking Mm -hmm. in nature, like you mentioned about season affective disorder. Now that, you know, the sun is, the days are longer, you could just Mm -hmm. take walks. You could maybe have a pet if that's not, if that's, you know, a, a, a emotional support animal. Um, you can also think out of the box. I'm very, I'm one of those therapists that are really creative and think out of the box a lot. So you can help others because when we help others, we feel better in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, seniors or children or animal shelters. So there's a whole lot of things of engagement where, where we feel better as well. So. Yeah, that's a great idea. Like a little bit of volunteer work where you can, you know, interact with new individuals, have that community. Um, I think those are some great tips. When do you think that someone should seek professional help? Like how can someone recognize that, hey, you know, I'm trying all of these self-care tips and I'm trying to take care of myself, but I'm just you know, maybe not getting the support from the community or I'm still not feeling better. How can, when do you think someone should seek professional help? Oh, absolutely. When it becomes chronic, right? Because we all have a day that you feel blue. I feel blue some days, right? And and we all do. So that's a, that's natural. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it's, it's um, longstanding or ongoing, uh, you feel like, oh, four weeks in, I'm still feeling that way. I'm still feeling sad or helpless or let, I'm not as motivated or my energy is not there. I'm feeling drained or I'm having more of, you know, maybe negative thoughts uh, and things that are continuing to 
to impact me in ways that I feel different. Things are shifting, they're changing. Mm -hmm. And so it's time, it's time to, and the thing is now with, uh, you know, COVID and post-COVID, it is now so many opportunities to reach Mm -hmm. out. I think we are moving away from the stigma. I mean, you're finding everywhere mental health and wellness. I mean, you can't turn on the TV, you're looking at smart news, you're looking at Twitter, Facebook, everybody is thinking of ways to be creative and take better care of themselves. And, you know, and, and so here's an opportunity to do that. So I think just reach out to a person that to, uh, uh, you know, talk about some of the changes that's going on. Yeah, that's a good point. I think I even noticed like in my workplace that, you know, even like the human resources department and our department, they're providing more resources and they're constantly sending emails out like, you know, are you feeling burnt out or stressed like you know these are professional resources are available so I think you know that's a place for individuals to start seeing what resources their school or workplace can offer as Mm -hmm. a starting place absolutely Um, I just thought of a tip from the last question that I tell some of my clients is like you know remembering what we used to enjoy doing as children I think Sometimes we forget as adults to have fun and, you know, remembering that, you know, as a kid, like I like to play an instrument or I like to draw or read. And I think we get, you know, too busy to prioritize the things that we like to do. And so I have to remind myself and my clients that, you know, um, try to do the things that you enjoy to do for starting, you know, starting off. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. You know, always embrace that inner child. Right. And, you know, and we and we want to be mindful because, you know, experiences of different cultures, different cultures, different people. Mm -hmm. Right. So the inner child experience might be different for me than someone that's from Africa or, you know, but I think there's still shared values around how to create um, a, a, a place of happiness. You're, you know, cause we always say, go to your happy place, you know, cause if I think about my home, my happy place is where the books were. If I think about now in my more adult life, my happy place is always water. So wherever there's a beach or, you know, I just love water and it, it could just be a pond. Like my husband, I keep saying, we should have a little pond in our yard. <laughs> my husband said, oh no, that's mosquitoes. You know, I'm like, no, we could figure it out. Cause I just, I don't care if it's clean or pond looking water, mm-hmm. something about what, so I think we, I encourage my, uh, you know, individuals that I work with students and uh, clients or whatever, you know, find your happy place, whatever that is. And also I think it's very important that we find that we unplug, right? Because we're always plugged into social media. It's the busy, 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 busy. And so, you know, our phones, we texting, we have our eyes constantly on our phones. So I think, you know, I always encourage to, uh, to tell the, uh, my, you know, clients, people I work with to, to find a day once a month or just an hour or something to unplug. Yes. That's a good point. And, you know, I at least start from maybe five, 10 minutes and then work your way up. That's what I Yes, mean. yes. Right. So. You can't, because, you know, we have so much going on. It's like, I cannot do that, but you can do five or 10 minutes. We yeah. can all do it. And, and, you, and it's amazing uh, because I think it has to be what's in it for me. So if you, if you want a return on your energy and, and, and that kind of thing, that's when, you know, because we're like, okay, if I'm going to do that, I'm losing. But then when they realize they really are gaining um, 
extra time feeling better. It mood has changed, all sorts of things, just by adding a five or 10 minutes to yourself before you get started your day. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Those are some great tips. Um, Going back to getting professional help, I know like sometimes people may try to speak to a therapist, but they feel like they don't connect right away. What is like your advice on determining if the professional you're working with is the right fit for you? Right. You know, I think it it is uniquely to each individual, but certainly, um, you know, if it's not, you know, I always encourage um, clients to be, even myself, even I work in a mental health student clinic, but, you know, Mm -hmm. you want values, right? Competency, some relatability, uh, because, you know, consumers know what they need and what they want. And I think depending on who you're working with, you know, I work with students, so they may, may, you know, relinquish their power to, to us, but I also encourage students like, you know, you don't have to, if the, if it's not working for you, then you need to move on to someone. You need to know what you need and you can ask folks for what you need. Um, so I encourage people that don't be, cause it's even more stressful to be in a relationship where you feel out of obligation, but you still aren't, you know, you're not getting any better. So, um, and I, I would say speak to family, friends, uh, if you have a spiritual base. I mean, there's so many ways, uh, professors, mentors, there's a whole lot of, you don't have to do this in, you know, in isolation. And you can say, oh, wow, I can. And I always say when people that used to speak to two or three providers anyway, right, just to, because I do, I think anytime I'm looking mm-hmm. for, um, you know, professional support, I do my research because, you know, you can be now you can just Google up everything and research everything. You don't have to, you know, five or six, you know, a year or two ago, maybe three or four years ago. We 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 have so much available to us now in terms of of self-care and getting in providers that we feel are part of our history, maybe part of our shared community um, mm-hmm. and all of those things. That's a good point. Um, Going to the next question, though, I know that there is still quite a stigma around mental health, especially in like South Asian communities or Black communities. So how can someone seek help, you know, despite those obstacles, despite not having support from family or partner? Right. Well, I, you know, I think uh, it's, it's, it can be complicated when, when, when there's a stigma there. But I, what I'm so hopeful about, I mean, is that when you speak that, then you know that you are ready to, to be able to engage in therapy, right? Because you're saying it to provide, you're saying it to either provider or to someone who's doing an, a, maybe an assessment of you or maybe your company or maybe even friends who are you, you may have acquaintances or friends or colleagues who are already embraced therapy and you feel safe to say that and they will help you. Mm-hmm. So I think there's so many avenues and pathways to getting the help you need. It's just asking for it. And, and because I trust uh, my patients, my clients, I trust the individuals. They kind of know, they do their research and they know who they feel safe with. They know mm-hmm. who they can trust and feel confident with. And just think, I think about over the years that I've worked with uh, Black communities, Southeast Asian communities, clients, they are, when they take that sort of leap, right, they are also able to bring back their families, 
their mothers, their mm. brothers and sisters who, who were, for whatever reason, socialized that you had to be strong or that you couldn't mm. ask for help, right? So we right. don't we don't look at any of this as being, uh, oh, that's bad because you think you can do it all back. Because, you know, especially, I definitely can speak for, you know, individuals and, I don't, you know, all Blacks, I'm not, we're not monolithic, but I do know there's a lot of uh, expectations for uh, black women and men to be strong, to not ask for help, you know, to yeah. th- that we can endure more than anything. We can endure more pain. We can endure, you know, all of this is not true. Uh, but because of the socialization, intergenerational trauma, and some of the things that we've had to endure yeah. to be, um, to even just <laughs> show up, right? So, so I know that, but when you start to to overcome that barrier and break that barrier down or open that door, you see that there's a lots of opportunity and possibilities for holistic health and, and holistic wellness and health in terms of emotional, physical, you know, just a whole body experience. Yeah, I think that's a great point you make, um, you know, especially about like being told that we can endure so much pain and, you know, we've, been through this or our life has been harder and you can get through it too but I think remembering that you know you don't have to endure the pain just because there is so much pain and you can doesn't mean you have to right and I think um like for me like when I first started talking about the PCOS I the whole time like I literally thought I was like the only one that has PCOS but and it was just like so painful holding it in. And then when I started talking about it, all these other people are like, oh, I have it too. I have it too. But like no one knows or I didn't tell anyone. And, you know, like I just want whoever's listening and watching, like if you feel like you're going through something by yourself, just recognize that most likely, you know, there's someone that has been through it and can help you. And there are resources to help you. You don't have to feel like you're going through whatever you're going through alone. Absolutely. And, and really walk, you know, don't, you know, cause a lot of this can also be shame based, like a shame oh, yes. that mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. guilty for having or what, or even asking for support or help. So we yeah. want to just move past all of those things that, that have been hindrances or barriers to us because we need to, you know, show up and I might, the chapter in the book I wrote in, in treating black women with eating disorders is uh, black women showing up to take care of themselves. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And speaking of eating disorders, I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about that. Like, what are your tips for recognizing eating disorders and getting help? Because I think, especially with PCOS, like the advice that, you know, is given to individuals with PCOS, like the dieting and the restrictions, they might develop eating disorders or disordered eating, but may not even realize that that's what's happening. So how can, how, what are your tips for recognizing it before it gets to a point where it's like, you know, a lot worse? Right. Well, you know, when I work with uh, women around it, I I think, you know, we, first of all, we want to identify, you know, kind of, you know, eating disorders are basically, it can be about identity, it's never about the food and the restriction mm-hmm. or the binge eating or any. It's a coping mechanism to deal with the stress and strain of whatever your presenting issues are. So if it's around PCOS or disordered eating or body image issues, we try to talk about that, right? Talk about the mood, talk about anxiety, talk about impre- uh, uh, depression, kind of look at intersectional identities, right? In terms of faith, race, class, 
gender orientation, um, because you know non-binary, trans. I mean, does, and certainly if we just talk about in you know fertility issues, it depends on if I'm working with students or if I'm working with adults, right? Who may be um, trying to uh, have children or have had, and then there's challenges of, on that in terms of mood and behaviors. So I think the tips are just get with some, you know, hopefully the person is, you know, and now you don't have to just be assigned to someone. You can ask for people in like, I'm a certified eating disorder specialist. We have a whole, uh, lots of, uh, trained, uh, advanced training individuals out here that are very seasoned and knowledgeable with PCOS and the implications of that in terms of the endocrine system, diabetes, and all other things that can happen. So I always encourage people look for, and, you know, and I guess because I work at a university, I encourage, and, and students are always looking anyway, or, or individuals, you know, you have to research who you want to, to, so, you know, if you know, you have PCOS, Go out there and research and see who pops up uh, in your area, right? Because we are, it's everywhere people are, are specializing or have some interest and some research ability to work with um, individuals. Yeah, so I think what you were saying is that maybe it's not always just about the food, but like the underlying, excuse me, um, underlying cause, like, is it about controlling or you know, feeling like you can control the food if you can't control other parts of your life, right? Is that what you were absolutely kind of getting absolutely. at? Right, absolutely. So you want to, uh, and you know, people get really afraid, family members, even some therapists, right? Even some people who aren't trained, like, I, I don't know how to work with eating disorders individuals. I don't know how to, and it, it's such a lost opportunity. Because even like you, you alluded to, you know, when you go to providers, sometimes if you're in uh, you know, I, I believe in food, freedom, health at every size, but, you know, you know, it really can really, um, it can be a disappointment to individuals when they're going in for those issues. And then uh, a provider may tell you to lose weight, exercise, or you're yes. going to die or something, you know, awful is going to happen because you're in this plus size body without getting to understand. And especially with black and brown women, right? It's not just I'm in this plus size body. Ask me why, or what's going on? What, not me, but what happened to me? right? Maybe a system that has not been affirming or validating, or maybe I didn't get a promotion, or maybe I didn't, uh, I want to be whatever I want to be, whatever my needs are, you know, so kind of get, have a, a relationship with the person and find out what, what's, what's going on besides just looking at the physical or even yes. the visual, visual. Mm-hmm. Man, that is an amazing tip. I just, yeah. I mean, I, our health system is so you know, with those like five to 15 minute at most appointments, you know, it's just so hard to get into those issues. But I think this is where now, like there's so much access to like virtual healthcare and other holistic resources that I think that, you know, it's about the individual recognizing that, you know, maybe I want a different approach and, you know, taking control of the situation and, finding those resources for themselves if they're not readily accessible, but they're out there. <laughs> Absolutely, they are. They are. And, and certainly, they, you know, they, Dr. Patel, they certainly, you know, can ta- contact you or myself, right? And we yes, can, of course. Um, you know, um, you know, provide information and resources. So um, talking a little bit about 
you alluded to this, but like, you know, with PCOS, individuals are at increased risk for experiencing things like postpartum depression. Um, how can an individual recognize this and tips for managing it? Because, you know, like we were talking about earlier, like in that state, I think, you know, women take on like, oh, I have to be strong or, you know, I shouldn't ask for help or, oh, I'm weak if I do this or, you know, they compare themselves to other women like, oh, they're not, you know, they're able to do this. Like I should be able to do it too. And I think especially in like South Asian communities, I don't even think many people would recognize that they're going through something like postpartum blues or depression if they were, right? Yes, I think, you know, it is, you just know that I I don't feel well, I'm slowing down, I'm having, you know, I don't feel excited about, you know, the baby or playing games or whatever you do, just the the, the mood, the, the mood has changed, just there's this you know, feeling of depression or apathy or sadness or hopelessness. And, you you know, and some of that is just, I mean, it's a change, right? It's grief too in the process because now you are responsible for another individual and you're dealing yeah. with all the things that are happening to your body. So I think that's why I always, you know, I don't, you know, I, I really support, I mean, I've traveled, you know, I think about when I look at women in leadership in Africa, when I was in Africa, you know, how communities have a way of supporting each other and women have a way of supporting women so we can mm-hmm. do it a professional yeah. way by getting the yeah. professionals but we also can do it through our faith base through our community base through bartering and sharing uh resources and all sorts of things so i i just would say you know either you know locate a, a you know reach out to a professional but also look at your community look at uh, the wisdom in the community, right? Because there are ways to to deal with postpartum, whether it's professionally and whatever that looks like, all the stages leading up to actually, um, you know, accessing a provider to help with all of that um, and people that you can trust. And so you can always form communities because everybody, if, if, it's, if others in your community who have had babies and who have had the change, right, it's like mm-hmm. switching and all that. So you just share stories and you just come, I mean, you get, uh, and people can write their own books or it is so much that you can do now. I mean, there's so much available to uh, individuals now that was not available two years ago. That's yeah. the thing, right? It's true. The power of internet and, you know, free resources like podcasts, YouTube. Right blogs um you know there's lots of accounts on instagram that you know if you can if you just search like the hashtag you know postpartum depression you can probably find um resources that way too absolutely absolutely and that's what i say to my students i say oh go listen to a podcast because <laughs> they, they they will you know they ask them, what, what what book should i read or what and you know now well i'm going to date myself a long time ago it used to be what books can, should i read now it's like Something quick, right? Immediacy, right? Nobody's going to have time to read books. So I just quickly say, look, go find a podcast. You can, you know how to Google up, search hashtag, hashtags or whatever. And, and it's, and it's so helpful. So just like what we're doing right now, this is going to, I think, open, you know, opportunities for people to think about 
um, how to, for individuals to think about how to take care of themselves, how to be well, how to claim that I'm going to be well and take care of myself. It's, it, it is how it should be a right. It's a human right for everybody to have wellness and to be, have access to that. And yeah, through, yeah, and I think to add to that, like through all the stages of your life, like, you, you know, if you're going through something rough, that doesn't mean that you just take it on like go and you know suffer through it by yourself that's correct don't do not suffer in silence it's so much so many opportunities um to to take advantage of being helped so one couple more questions um <laughs> so society and family you know they may put a lot of pressure on women to conceive and then some women with pcos may face like infertility or you know miscarriages or have to go through IVF so do you know of like any resources that can help women overcome these challenges in addition to what we've already talked about you know I I always say I mean you know in every state in every small town in every and not have to be the United States it could be international anywhere there's always some resource uh, and I, I always throw out in, in the States, a women's center. There's always a women's center somewhere. There's mm-hmm. always somebody uh, writing something about postpartum, about infertility, about how, I mean, and, and it's, you know, and I think people like some of the celebrities have made it even more mm-hmm. accessible now when they, you know, have their private uh, infertility issues or maybe loss or childbirth or miscarriages. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. It's a thing. We can talk about it. Right. So now I think it's, um, and if, if a person is um, going through some of those issues and don't know where, look for the women's, look for the, all hospitals have resources. See, I'm a social worker. So I know, you know, and so many people call me, even at the university and where I am, can you help me find, because social workers, and one thing I could say about social workers, we know systems and we know how to find, mm-hmm. and we develop, and our work is embedded in the community. That's where, you know, I did my first re, uh, grad uh, project that I had to do. I had to do community organizing. So, you know, f- find it, find it. Also, if you can't find it, start it yourself. You know, <laughs> you know start your own little group, support group, your yeah. little tea chat, sip, you know, Saturday morning, sip, sipping tea or whatever you want to do, 10, two, four, something like that with, with a couple. And it adds, you know, it's in of one and it's in of five and it's in of six. And then you can just keep it, the chain going and keep developing it and growing. So I'm always one that I believe in making things happen. I don't never do. I, I do not that I do not support, uh, or endorse that you can't have what you want. And we can all have it. Maybe we may have to do a little work, to find it, um, but, or, you know, cause I'm like, if it's not there, then you create it, you start it. Yeah. And that's why I started, you know, everything I'm doing. Cause I didn't see that support, especially in the minority and, you know, yeah. South Asian community. And, you know, I didn't even expect any, I didn't think I'd be having a podcast and, you know, like a YouTube channel and yeah. so. see, and it's, and you, you're going to have followers and you're just, and it's so <laughs> needed and see, it, you, we look for the need and then provide the need, right? And this is just so empowering and uplifting and uplifting to women, and especially uh, BIPOC women and and not and, and trans. You know, I always want to, yes, yes. you know, like to not not include you know individuals. 
because I know what it's like not to be included. I've been not included in a lot of things as a black woman. So I want to include, and I just need to own my pain around that because that's why Mm -hmm. I'm so try not to not include in preferred pronouns. You know, all of that is important, how people, how individuals identify themselves. And I think, you know, going with what you were saying, like, just like, I think if someone not like it's a mindset shift right like you don't have to think like oh you're you have to suffer and all of that but I think if you accept that like hey I'm having a challenge and I want to help myself then I think and if you truly believe that the help is out there and you look for I believe in this but I feel like you know the universe or God or whatever you believe in will help you like you know they may like resources will pop up or you know, things will start coming your way and you'll look at it from a different perspective and you'll start thinking like, hey, maybe this is the help that I've been wanting or asking for. And I think it's possible, you know, for you to get through whatever the challenges you're getting through. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and just reach out, right? Just reach out. You know, I always think that this vision of reaching your hand and someone else touching your hand when you reach out. So, and, and you will always find that someone is available to help. And chances are most of us have been through the experiences or we know someone who's been through these experiences, right? This is not anything new. We know that, you know, in terms of childbirth, the challenges, and we know maternal health. I mean, especially for BIPOC individuals is, and Black women, I mean, it's like 400%, some ridiculous percentage that do not, they die or the babies die or they, it's just, so we really want to stop that and be and be a ray of hope or light to help, um, yeah. you know, individuals. Well, can you tell us about all the publications that you have and where to find them? Yes. Well, certainly we, uh, you know, treating Black women with eating disorders uh, is just pop we are selling so many of, of these books and Amazon of course you'll be at your door the next day right <laughs> Amazon I always and I don't want to you know everybody you know Amazon quick but I always encourage to uh small bookstores as well right oh, yeah. you know because I don't want to lose because I I buy mm-hmm. I on and, and I get all my copies from my bookstore on my campus um, oh, so if, yeah. it's, if it's a campus near you, go to that bookstore because they're trying to keep that bookstore afloat. Uh, yeah. um, so certainly um, just Google us up and you can find. And I think they're giving 30 percent off the book. So wherever you buy, if you go through, I, I prefer, if anything, go through Taylor and Francis, right, through their distribution center, because that's when I get uh, my little two cents. whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yes, and uh, so yeah, uh, and I and I encourage individuals to reach out to you know as you mentioned too about AAEDP through IADEP International Eating Disorders uh, Professionals um, Foundation because um, there's so much so many many you know opportunities materials resources listed on that um, website and that page member share as well. Awesome, awesome. Thank you for sharing those resources. If someone wants to reach out to you. Um, directly? Is there a way they yes. can connect with you? Well, just, I, you know, Google me up. I'm at uh, Duke University's College Mental Health Center, and I will, I get emails from everyone. My, it's not, you just email me, and I'm one that will email you back within 24 hours, unless I'm traveling. And I don't, when I travel, that's my self-care <laughs> piece. I do not yes. check work. when No work goes with me when I'm on vacation. <laughs> that's awesome. Awesome. Um, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I love connecting with you. We connected through PCOS Challenge yeah. and, you know, fellow North Carolinians. So super excited about that. 
Absolutely. I saw that you have a 919 number too. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is my home state. I mean, uh, yes. I was not, I was born in North Carolina. And so I have this, this a special home space. And Aww. I was, and I mean, it's just been so, I was so happy that our paths have crossed. And oh, me too, me I, too. It's just, and we're doing the same work and we really care about lifting women up and mm-hmm. lifting up individuals mm-hmm. with PCOS and with, you know, just, uh, you know, eating challenges or image problems or yeah. whatever issues. Um, I just love this work. I love helping. I just love helping. That's the reason I, this is my love. I, I, I don't know why I didn't start out because corporate was <laughs> a little different, yeah. <laughs> but, it, it, but it has allowed me to have strategic skills to empower mm-hmm. my clients and help advance their um, mental health and wellness. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Fuller, yeah. for having thank this you, conversation. It's been I a pleasure. It. You're welcome. I think it'll be really helpful for the viewers and listeners, you know, the information that you provided. Yes. And I just want to say thank you again, Dr. Patel. Thank your viewers and your listeners. And I hope they will reach out to us for any support or just questions or feedback or something that we can move forward in the future mm-hmm. to around a collaboration. I'm happy oh, yeah. with all possibilities. Thank yeah, you definitely. so much. Definitely. Yeah. If anyone has any questions on YouTube, you can leave it in the comments, any ideas or suggestions, let us know. Um, As always, guys, be kind to yourself, be patient and focus on progress, not perfection. We'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. If you loved this conversation, please leave a review and share it with a friend. I would love to connect with you. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at pcos.holistic.coach. Send me a DM and say, hey, be sure to tune in to the podcast next time.